You'll never know All the people, places, things that you'll see Welcome to the People, Places, and Things podcast, hosted by yours truly, Shea Boar, featuring people, places, and things that I just so happen to love around Kansas City and beyond. Today, we'll be talking about the fashion business, love, inspiring and motivating yourself, and taking chances with entrepreneur, stylist, and designer, Travis Cow. Who is Travis Cow? Travis Callis style. Mm. Travis Callis fashion. I really want to get to people what they want. And most times what I'm learning is that people don't know what they want. And so I think it's my divine opportunity to come in and help them understand their personal style, help them understand that because you want to look like a million dollars that you don't necessarily have to spend a million dollars. So teaching them to find things that flatter their figure, fall within their budget, and are an extension of their personality. All things fashion, all things beauty, interiors, life coaching is my other Gift. I had a friend of mine who passed away in January of stage four breast cancer. Mm. And she was a Ayala Van Zant trained, certified life coach and was going on to do some other things. And I was helping her with her radio station and, and she's gone. And when I saw her for the last time, some of the information that she shared with me, I've been able to share with my family. I've been able to share with my girlfriends. I've been able to share with my clients because I'm a firm believer that once you have the information, it's my responsibility to share the information because as you learn, you teach and as you teach, you learn. So I just want to make sure as I'm helping her through her issue, it's not her issue. We're sharing this experience Mm -hmm. together. So as you're going through what you're going through, nine times out of 10, you're not going through it by yourself. I'm probably experiencing the same thing, but at a different degree. So it could be more severe. It could be less severe. But understanding that we're all on this hamster wheel called life and we're all kind of doing things at the same time and we're all reflecting each other in different things and different experiences. So I don't have five kids, but I definitely know what it was like to be raised. So when I'm talking to my, my friends about their different things, I'm bringing it from a perspective of I had a great mom, I had a great family system that supported my mother. She was a single mother until she remarried of two. And so I think it's important that other people have the same opportunity to have a village and be a part of something and be able to turn to someone for support and encouragement or sometimes just to have somebody listen. Because I have to ask my friends all the time, and even my mom, now you're calling me with this issue. Now you want me to talk about it you want me to just sit here and listen to you you want you want to just fuss tell me what my role is in this conversation and i'll be more than happy to meet you where you are a lot of conversation for one question (laughs) (laughs) i get on a tangent and i go you're really in touch with yourself yes and i'm sure it took a lot of different experiences to get you to that place Talk to me about a life-changing event that happened to push you into the place that you are now. December 2008, I live in Houston. I'm based in Houston, Texas. I've been there since July 4th of 2000. In 2008, I came home to visit my family for Christmas. I was working at Saks Fifth Avenue. Had a fabulous job. I just got fired. So I'd only been there for like four or five months. So it was a great job, great opportunity. I was the number one salesperson in my department. I was quickly on my way to being a million dollar book. And for those of you who don't know what that means, um, a million dollar book means I generated over a million dollars in sales. Historically, I'm an excellent salesperson. Right. I know how to connect with my clients and find what they want. And I know how to chase a bag. I came home. I told my boss at the time, I'm going out of town. I'm going to be gone. I need these days off. He's like, well, you're going to be gone longer. So you're going to have to bring in a doctor's note. Cool. No 
problem. I'll bring in a doctor's note. When I got back from town, I went to work, tried to play out the doctor's note. HR called me up. They were like, you have to bring in a doctor's note. We need it within 24 hours. Like, oh, I got that. It's at home. I'll bring it. Dot, dot, dot. So I went home. I found a previous doctor note from a previous employer who knew that they would verify. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know if they punked me into thinking they checked it. Or if they really checked it, but loss prevention called me when I got to work that morning, the, like two days later, they were like, we'd like to see you in the, in the LP office. Okay, cool. I'm, I'm on my way upstairs. I ain't stealing from y'all. y'all. We, we good. Right. So I go up in the LP. Those people said, well, Mr. Cal, you're here because you turned in a doctor's note and we verified the doctor's note. And I'm not trying to get vacation pay or anything. I'm just trying to keep my job right. at this point. I was cool with taking the days without pay. Anyway, they called me in. I went through this whole thing. They're like, we called your doctor and they said you haven't been seen for care in like two years, which I hadn't been seen for care in like two years. So I'm like, okay, the jig is up. You got me. So what happens is, well, we have to talk to communicate with corporate in New York. So we're going to send you home for the day and you'll hear from us within the next two days. Cool. Well, at that point, my mother was visiting. I couldn't very well go home and tell her that I had just lost my job and I didn't know what I was about to do. And I'm still, this point, 28, you know, I'm still pretty young. So my mother's approval was kind of everything still at that point. So I went to the friend who passed away. I went to her home and she sat me down and she was like, well, what are we going to do? So I've been at her house from 1030 that morning until nine o'clock that night. Because I'm supposed to be at work as far as everybody is concerned. And what we decide is you're already doing this on your own. You're doing it part time. You're working in closets. You're you're you already don't have enough time to get everything done. Why don't you just try it on your own and see what happens? OK, cool. I'm, I ain't never really been scared. I moved to Houston with five dollars in my pocket without a place to live in a Honda Civic with a prayer. And 10 years later, I was at the point where I'm meeting influential people that were able to move me along. So the next morning, I'm getting up because I ain't told nobody at my house that I'm fired yet. <laughs> and my phone rings, and it's one of my clients. And she says, I'm on my way to the mall. Are you there? Well, girl, about that. I'm not. So what had happened was. <laughs> what had happened was, they said, thank you, you may go. And so, now, mind you, I hadn't got the phone call from Fax to be officially fired yet. So all of this is just the universe conspiring for my good. This other client then called. She's on her way to come in and drop some money because she has a big red carpet event. She was married to a football player. So she had a big red carpet event that she was going to for his organization. I said, well, girl, I don't know, really know what's going on at Saks. I may not be working there anymore, but here's what I can do. I'll take you shopping. We can tear the mall down. We can get what you need from wherever we need it. And you pay me a fee on top of that. Well, how much you going to pay? I don't really know right now, but we'll see at the end of the day. So we shopped, we ate lunch, we had a big, fantastic day, and we literally walked into Saks. So the Houston Galleria, I don't know if you've ever been, but it's like a massive mega mall. So it's like Oak Park times two, mm-hmm. maybe times three. It's huge. Everything you can want designer-wise. So we didn't tour them all up. It's around two o'clock. We're walking into Saks. My phone rings. It's the loss prevention people. Not to tell me I ain't supposed to be in the store, but to call me and tell me, we spoke with corporate. We've decided to terminate your employment, dot, 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 dot. At that moment, all I could say was, all I could, thank y'all. Right. You know what I'm saying? Thank you. And I genuinely meant thank you because my life's dreams were unfolding right before my eyes. And had I not been fired and pushed out of the nest, I don't think I ever would have had the courage to leave. And had I not had a friend at that moment to tell me that you're good enough, you're worthy, makes me want to cry. But you got this. And to have someone who had that belief in me at that point in my life, they didn't have to, you know, so you never know what words that you say to someone are going to propel them to go to the next level. That conversation that I had with her propelled me to the next level. And I got that client, ended up signing on a retainer with the client who referred me. 
I got another makeup artist who called me like two or three months later. She gave me a client. I got my first client where I don't know if you know what it's like to make $70,000 at 29 years old from one client wow. in a six month period. But and to have an experience where they're flying you on private jets, they're taking you. So everything that I imagined, I'm in Louis Vuitton spending thousands of dollars. I'm, I got clients that are now buying me and gifting me with Birkin bags and Gucci bags. Everything that I wanted and said that I deserve began to manifest itself right before me. Being 100 percent honest. Because so many amazing things were happening, I wasn't the humblest. I was so focused on work and my career that there wasn't another side to me. Because I was so involved in trying to be the stylist and trying to be available and having clients and ascending to the next level and meeting this person and making it into this person. And, oh, I want to work with this person in the NBA. Boom. And it all was happening. You want to work with this person in music? Boom. It was happening. You want to do music videos? Boom. All these things are happening where I'm dealing with $100,000 budgets and I have one client and I'm spending a million dollars per year on her wardrobe. I don't know if y'all know how many clothes you have to buy in order to spend. <laughs> a mi I mean, it ain't really that many because clothes are expensive now. Yes. You never know when you're doing things along the way why you're doing them. So when someone asks me to do something, I very rarely say no if I have it the time in my schedule because I need the experience, because I don't know what that experience is going to lead me. And when you push beyond your comfort zones, you learn more about what you are and who you are and what you want, and you become to get more comfortable with your no, which is very hard, because most of us feel like we have to say no, and then we have to explain it. But the more you're comfortable with yourself and your position and your power and who you are as a being, the easier it is to handle other people and their being, and not to take things personal, and to say that no, and that's the end of the conversation. It's just no. No explanation needed. No is a complete sentence in my Stop world. It, it is. Wow. Everyone can't handle it. They look at it as you trying to be bitchy, mm -mm. but it's not. Mm -mm. I I'm can say clear. no and mean it. I'm being clear. I'm being clear. I'm effectively communicating my needs because if I don't, I'll find myself doing everything that you want me to do. And then I'm on the back end saying, well, what about me? I always say I don't take shorts because in February, if you're standing outside on the bus stop, those shorts are no good. So I negotiate for long pants in every situation that I'm in. And then that way. You covered. Exactly. You covered. You covered. <laughs> and it's the same thing with no. You know what? This is what I need. This is what I believe. And I'm not going to be able to do that. But most people don't like boundaries. And no is a very clear boundary. And so when you say no with an explanation, you're breaking down the boundary that you just set. No is it. And I'm, I'm a firm believer that effective communication is key to getting us where we want to be. Sometimes we're better at communicating than others as we are with everything. Our relationships ebbs and flows. We ebb and flow as humans. And so we have to be OK with that. So some days my no is really strong and I'm OK with it. Other days I have to check the energy behind the mm. no. And then other days, I still feel the need to explain because there's something else that's going on within me, whether it's distraction, tired, I'm hungry, anxiety, nervous, I'm depressed. I didn't got into it with somebody the <laughs> night before. So I feel the need to be a little bit more compassionate. So then sometimes your no makes you over communicate and that's not effective. You're a natural communicator. I could see you getting a style podcast going with the drop of a pen and being able to touch people all over this world. And coming from a place like Kansas City, where it's not considered a style mecca, if you will, where do you think you got your sense of style and your aesthetic? I am my mother and my father's child. 
I am naturally 100% a complete mixture of the both of them. And I consider my mother and my father both to be style icons. Mm. They've been the most fashionable people in my life for forever. So I don't ever remember a time looking back at my mother and my father and not seeing them on point. And my mother had two sons. It was very important to her how we looked, how we presented, what we were doing, if we were looking a certain way. So we learned early on that fashion was important to what we wanted to do. I was a dancer. I was event planner. I was a model. My mother allowed me the freedom to explore and just be. And she didn't put limitations on it. If you want to play baseball, you can do that. You want to go to dance camp, you can do that. You want to do football, you can do that. But she allowed me the freedom to just be. I went to Paseo. Coming from Kansas City, this is not a fashion town. This is not a luxury market. This isn't a celebrity-driven culture. This isn't, at the time when I left, it wasn't even an entrepreneur's town. Everybody had the idea that you get a job, you go to work, you do this for 20 years, and then that's it. Well, when I moved to Houston, you see all these people, different races, different nationalities. Everybody is an entrepreneur. Everybody's got a side hustle. Everybody's in real estate. It opened my eyes to there being more possibilities. I took the time to be still enough and to commit early on, even at 25. I went back to school and I said, I'm going to be a fashion designer. I took some classes. I advanced, did that for two years, quit because I had a job and I let them pay for me to go to school. Quit that job, found a job at Burberry and didn't know what I was doing because in my mind, I needed to have a clientele. I just so I, I went the back end way of building my clientele and figuring things out and letting fashion just kind of explode. So I didn't have I wasn't so set on this is the path that I have to take. This is what I like. I think if had I told somebody when I was in Kansas City at 19 when I left that, oh, I'm going to ride on a, on a private jet. You ain't never going to ride on no private jet. Mm. Oh, I'm going to work with Matthew Knowles. Oh, you'll never work with Matthew Knowles. Oh, I'm, I'm, you're going to be flying to New York. You're going to New York Fashion Week. You're doing this. You're doing that. Oh, you're not going to do that. But because when I left Kansas City, the only people who knew were my, my close friends and family. And they didn't understand. They didn't understand my calling. They didn't understand my yearning. And I told them for six months, I'm moving. I'm moving. I'm moving. My mom was like, no, you got a scholarship for school. Just stay here. It's fine. No, I'm moving. And I left my mom, my family. I left my friends, my clothes. I left everything. And what could fit in that Honda with my roommate that was what we had. You just never know where your life is going to take you. That's why it's so important to be in touch with yourself and listen to your own heart's words. I had gotten fired from a radio station in Buffalo, New York. It's the worst, but it's the best. It is the best. <laughs> I had to move home with my mother. It was a very humbling experience for me. And I have a degree. And so my mother was like, well, you need to go teach. Mm. And they did not understand that it's radio or death for me. Yes. They didn't get yes. it. So what I've had to hold on to for myself is that I inspire and motivate myself. The people who are outside of me, their limitations on themselves is what they're trying to put yes. upon me. And so I think that it's so important for us to continue to push that message to people who are searching out here for the next step. Where do I go now? I have this dream inside. What can I do to reach it? Write it down. Learn. I read every Vogue magazine for 10 years, every single Vogue. If I didn't know how to pronounce the designer's name, I got online and I figured out how to pronounce it. I made it my business to understand the inner workings of fashion from production to styling to how you put a show together to what does it take to actually put a collection together. It was my business to learn all of that. I wanted to know who are the movers and shakers and I self-taught. And a lot of people think that you have to go to school and you have to do this. I can fully say outside of what I learned technically, 
for my sewing skills, everything else I taught myself. There mm-hmm. wasn't a program for styling when I started this because there wasn't a such thing. When I used to announce myself as a stylist, what? Oh, you do hair? What shop you at? <laughs> well, no, I do clothes. I mean, does that count? But that came along after like the Rachel Zoe. So right around 2010, people became more knowledgeable of it. So when Instagram arrived and within the last four years, now that we all know that the clothes those people are wearing are not theirs and their curated looks that they've been styled in. And these are very stylized looks and in someone else's house, driving somebody else's car in clothes that they can't afford. So just understanding all of those things. I didn't know when I was carving out my niche where it was going to end. And it's not the end of my journey. You know, it's changing, it's growing, it's evolving. And what I am learning and what I wish I would have learned sooner is that I can't do it all myself. It takes a team. As we experience life, you're going to have a day where you just don't feel good. You're just having a bad day. You just, it's just, it's just fucked up. Sorry for lack of a better yes. word. It's just a really bad day. So you need someone to call you and say, you know what, Travis, you got this. Da, da, da. Today's a bad day, but you're going to be okay. So I can call my village and I can get what I need and they can call me and I can tell them today's not the day. And you have to be aware of yourself enough to know that I need to sit in this right now. When I'm ready, I know that you're here because you told me that you're here. You've shown me that you're here. I'll call you. But today, you're about to get an attitude that you ain't paid for. <laughs> and I don't want to give it to you. I have to do it with my mom. I have to do it with my brother. I have to do it with my friends and clients. And because on the other side of that, my venom comes out. So if I don't tell you what happens, and I paid a lot of money for a life coach a couple years ago, and she told me that I have a dragon tongue. She said, you're real slick with your mouth. You're smart. I could tell, dot, dot, dot. She said, but that's venom that you spew when you're angry or when you're judging something or when you you don't agree with something. You have to be conscious of it. So in being conscious of what I put out there and what I say and how I make other people feel, because I've I've come to be aware that I have a mouth that affects other people. Mm. And when I'm in a bad space and I have bad energy, my energy can change the room. So literally everybody don't have that ability. You know what I'm saying? Some people can come in a room and they're in a bad mood and the room is fine. But then there are other people who come in a room and it changes the whole dynamic. So I've had to be aware that when I'm having a bad day, that I'm probably to keep this energy to myself. Because if I pass it along to her, I pass it along to you, you're going to catch it. Most people feel like they have to be fine. I'm not fine. It's fine, but I'm not fine. Because when you say I'm fine, there's usually something else under there because you're never really fine. What does Travis Cowell know about love? I've been loved and I've learned how to love hard. When you're in long-term relationships, there are times when you're more connected and less connected. And what I've learned is in those times when you're less connected, there has to be something that you guys still have in common. Because sometimes you love somebody, but you're not necessarily in love with them. And you have to have those things that connect you along the way so that you can find your way back to each other. Relationships don't have to be bound by traditional standards. Everyone wants to profess their relationship, but my relationship is between me and my my significant other. So whatever we got going on, you ain't got to understand it, like it, respect it. I don't really care. This works for us. And I got relationships across the board. So I got relationships with my girlfriends, my mama, my brother, you know, my clients. So love is love. And I just try to keep it honest and pure and safe. I'm a natural protector. And so it's my thing is I want to protect the people who I love. I want to make sure that they're okay. I want to make sure that they're supported. I want them to know that they know that they're loved. My father passed away in March of last year. Had a heart attack. Went to pick up his wife on her way from work. Driving down 70. Complained about his chest. Pulled off the highway. Right before you get to Van Brunt. Massive heart attack and passed away. Mm. Now, two years prior to him passing, I was going through this whole thing. I felt my dad was absent for a little bit. For whatever, as life was happening, he was gone. Um, 
And when he came back, he had a new wife, he had a new family, his sister passed. And he called me and he was very upset. And I couldn't feel the connection because I didn't know her. You know, she could have been sitting next to me and I, I would have known who she was unless they said, this is your aunt, dot, dot, dot. And I became angry at him for a long time. Tracy McGrady and his wife had been my clients for years. So I went to his wife. She had a conference. She was becoming a life coach. And she said, I challenge you to go outside on break and call your father and tell him exactly how you feel and see what he says. I'm going to take you up on that challenge. On break, I went outside. I called my father. I told him exactly what my feelings were, how I felt, what I wanted moving forward. And he was 100% receptive to it and understood everything that I was talking about. Took his responsibility for not making those connections between my other side of my family and I. And that's all I wanted. From that point forward, for the next two years until he passed away, we were able to have our relationship and it be a genuine relationship that was based on love with some honesty. They honored some local legends in Kansas City and they wanted me to accept the award on his behalf. It's the most amazing thing to go and to accept something for your father and you not and it not be anything extra. There's nothing extra on it. There ain't no heat. There's no judgment. Being able to have no unfinished business, being able to tie up all those loose ends, being able to know that my father loved me fully, that he was proud of me, that he was proud of my accomplishments, that he wanted me to do more and be more. We had got to that point in our relationship where we can have that. But we had also got to the point in our relationship where I could say, Daddy, I ain't got no money. <laughs> and we would have our little dance. Daddy, can I have $20? I don't need the $20, but I'm going to ask you for it before you ask me for it. He didn't need the $20, but it was our dance. <laughs> you know? So you got two fine dudes with pockets full of money, both of them asking each other for money like they both broke. Like, it was just, we learned what our rhythm was. We were able to have our conversation. And so when he passed away, I was able to stand before church and the congregation and tell the people, you know, that... I don't know what your situation is like with your family or you got something out there and somebody's upset, but you don't leave this earth with unfinished business. We've been talking a while. We've talked primarily about your career. We've done a little bit about your personal life. Where do you see yourself in the next foreseeable months? And then let's look five years into the future. Where do you see yourself? Well, next, I see myself on May 19th at the World War One Museum and Monument, a.k.a. the Liberty Memorial, for the 24 karat gold fashion experience, fame, fashion, art, music, and entertainment, hosted by the lovely Shay Moore, Hot 103 Jams. <laughs> yes. I'll be there. For that event, we're going to have eight designers that we're going to feature, 120 models, 40 vendors, six food trucks, 40 or 50 people on hair and makeup team. We're expecting 1,500 people as a minimum to come out, and but the space holds 3,000. So all of Kansas City is invited. It's a garden party theme. If you don't know what that means, do a quick Google search. Garden party attire. That means florals, seersucker. If you got cute little polo shorts that are in like a, a nice chambray blue. We like all of that with like a plaid shirt. Fedoras, not the wool ones because it's summer. Straw, cotton. My brother and I started a production company called Euro Productions about three years ago. And this was our first event that we did in our first year. And so we took a year off as we were doing our redevelopment and re and re-strategizing re and trying to figure out what, what was going to be our way because we decided we don't want to be club promoters. We're happy to be back and to do it bigger and to do it better. Our main premise is that we want to give artists an opportunity to showcase their craft. I created this with the sole idea of being able to offer ethnic models, not just African-American models, but models of color, Indian, Asians, Hispanics, Caucasians as well, an opportunity to showcase in a high-end production. I offer a series of classes called the Business of Fashion, which include a model boot camp, the Art of Style, which 
is how to break into the fashion industry. So we do a whole presentation where I do hair, makeup, live models, a full photo shoot, and I basically narrate the whole process. And so I explain the different roles of the stylist, the hairstylist, and then all the people that are co-hosting the show with me or doing the different parts. They're all what I consider experts locally in their industry. So I had Aisha Ogletree, who's the hair mistress. She comes and she, she does my hair too. Pride dying legs to the side. Okay. <laughs> Swoop bang up front. Um, <laughs> she does the hair. So people are able to actually see the transformation. So I have models that I plant in the audience and I have them come up like they're going on a go see and they go through the casting process. Okay. All three of you models have been cast. And then I pick a real live person from the audience that's came just to be part of the class and send them through the process. And if they're good enough, then they make it. So then they sit in the chair, they go through hair, makeup, um, go into styling, do the photo shoot. And then the audience is able to watch this whole process because what I learned is when I got on set for the first time, I didn't know what to do. Mm. I wasn't, I wasn't prepared for all the people and the bigger the production, the more people, the more that's happening, the more models, the more hair. So not feeling intimidated by that process. So the way that I thought was, let me not just give you a written pamphlet. Let me not just talk about it and give you a story. Let me show you the process from beginning to end so that if you're a model, you can come to this and you can get it. If you're a hairstylist, you can come to this and you can understand your role. How can people connect with you for your classes? You can find us on Travis Cow Styles. That is T R A. V-I-S-C-A-L styles.com or you can check me out at Euro Productions that's E-U-R-O hyphen productions.com and that lists all of my classes. Travis Cal, this has been an experience to learn more about you and your passion as a designer and as a human being. Thank you so much for speaking to me today on People, Places, and Things. You'll never know other people places things that you see